Thank you so much, Michael. I was saying to Michael, in a couple of years' time, that's the youth, isn't it? Yes. Praise God. <clears throat> and we bind them to those words that they're declaring. Yes. <laughs> All right, how many of you have been enjoying the series we're doing on leadership? Yes. Been enjoying the series on leadership? Amen. Oh, yes. Let me release the older kids. Are there any older kids still here? We want to release you. We really believe in the next generation. We really believe in the next generation. If you're a nursing mother and your child sort of starts irritating you or the people around you, don't worry about it. Uh, we've got a lovely nursing mother's room behind the video camera there. And you can actually follow the service um, in that room. There's a video feed that we have. Amen. Father, we thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you for insights that will catapult us to the next level of leadership. We open our hearts to you, Lord, that you may speak to us. Holy Spirit, may you be our teacher this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about how to get to your next level of leadership. How to get to your next level of leadership. And I'm not going to rehash what I've already covered uh, from the book of Daniel, but I'm going to start from verse 17, and we're going to go to point number seven. If you've missed some of the services, please just catch up via internet. We've got a video there, and we've also got on the website MP3s, and you can also download the PDF. Are you ready? Amen. Are you steady? Amen. Let's get going. Verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And I said to you last time that these guys, their identity was under attack. Because your name represents your identity. And although they had these beautiful Hebrew names that meant very good things, what happened when they went to Babylon, they were given other names. And so they had to protect their identity. For example, Daniel was called Belshazzar by the Babylonian people. And guess what that means? It means protected by Bel, their particular God. That is hectic, isn't it? And so you'll see that it was necessary for him to come to a place where he stood firm, knowing that God had to be lifted up in that idolatrous empire. They were trying to say to him, no, you've got another God who protects you. But he stood firm knowing that God is the one who protects him. And we all know what happened in the lion's den who protected him. And you'll see the same thing happening even with Abednego. Not what I called him the other week, but we won't go there this week. Even what happened with Abednego. Abednego is son of that particular God. That's what it means. And so despite the label that the enemy was trying to attach onto them, we find an interesting thing happening when verse 17 it says, To these young men God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. God can give you a supernatural understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And goes on to say, And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And so my point number seven is we need to stir up our spiritual gifts. Where God is taking us today, we cannot rely on natural understanding. 
There will be times when I'm sitting in a corporate meeting, a corporate event, and supernaturally the Lord will give me certain words for that particular situation, words that I did not have prior to that. So God adds his super to our natural. And I want to encourage you, however God has gifted you in the spiritual gifts, it's up to you to stir up and to activate those gifts. How many of you know that there's some people who are gifted at a certain level, but they go to another dimension because they've learned how to stir themselves up in those particular gifts? You see that the combination of Daniel's wisdom and his prophetic gift was key to his increase in influence. Let me say that again. The combination of Daniel's wisdom and his prophetic gift, that combo was key to his promotion in Babylon. You see, natural wisdom will not be enough for where God is taking us. God gifts you supernaturally, but it's important to stir up your gift. How do you stir up your gift? You activate your gift. You nurture your gift. You surround yourselves with people who are gifted in that particular way. How do you grow in prophetic ministry? You associate with people who are prophetic. You grow in prayer. There's a link between intercession and prophetic ministry. You go to prayer meetings. You learn to hear the voice of God. You learn your dream language. You learn your vision language. God will show you something. And maybe when you're praying over someone, you see a stiletto. And initially you say, Lord, what does this mean? What is this speaking of? And that stiletto that you're seeing in your mind could speak of, if the Lord speaks to you, he could tell you that, wait a minute, it speaks of women's ministry. And then you find that that same picture that you keep seeing recurs over and over again whenever you're praying for people who are called to minister to other women. And then you begin to learn what the colors represent. And you see what they represent in scripture, but you also see as your dream and vision language develops what those particular colors mean. So you start to understand that white often speaks of purity. And so you see a stiletto and you see a white stiletto and you start realizing God has called you and has given you a ministry to women to help them in terms of sanctification, in terms of holiness. Does that make sense? I want to encourage you, develop your ability to hear from God. Some of you are gifted prophetically, but you're scared of the dreams that you have because you don't understand the dreams. But when you have people around you who can assist you and who can help you in growing in the prophetic, you begin to activate those particular gifts. Can I hear an amen this morning? Amen. Are you stirring up the gift of God that is in you? At the end, verse 18, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. That's a very powerful two verses right there. And that's my point number eight. Be aware of seasons shifting. These guys came to an end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service. They had a period of three years of training. Now Daniel was in Babylon for a total of about 65 years. That's hectic. But after three years, he had finished his time of training. 
And it says when that season had entered, they were presented. When that season had ended, they were presented to the king. Be aware of season shifting in your life. Be aware of that time period where you have to be presented to the king. What will you say when you're presented to the kings in your life? What will you say when you're presented to the people who are in charge of the power centers in your industry? Are you ready for that time? Have you been through your season of preparation? Will you have something to say when you're presented to them? You know what the good thing is? When you've come through that season of preparation, you'll know what to say because you would have dealt with it and prepared for it in the time of preparation. You see, there is a time lag between the call and the commission. There's a time where God calls you and then there's a time where he commissions you. Some people are called by God and they confuse that with the commissioning. Daniel was called by God, but he knew that it was three years later when he was to be presented to the king. Do you know when your commission is? You see, sometimes you can have a vision from God and that aspect is sometimes easy, isn't it? Because that's revelation. God speaks to you in a dream. God speaks to you through a word of prophecy. God speaks to you as you're reading the word. And the revelation is the easy part. But the more difficult part is how you interpret what that vision is. And in the even more difficult time, often, is how you apply it. So there's the revelation, there's the interpretation, and there's the application. Some of you are in a time where you're just mulling over the vision in your life and you're trying to figure out what is God saying, what is God saying. And that's the time to get your prayer partners involved. Say, guys, what do you think of this? To get your pastors involved, what do you think of this? To get input. The Bible tells us that there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Some of you are in a time where God is commissioning you in this season. And if you don't step out in the time of commissioning, you might miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Do you know the season that you're in? Are you like the sons of Issachar, where the Bible tells us that they understood the times and the seasons? Are you ready to be presented to kings? I find it interesting how many Christians want to influence in society today, want to influence in their families. But somehow something happens and fear kicks in when they're presented before kings. I'm not necessarily talking about literal kings. I'm talking about governors. I'm talking about headmasters and headmistresses. I'm talking about people who are influencing the power centers. If you look at Daniel's life, the key moment for him wasn't just when he was presented to the emperor. He had multiple key moments. He had multiple key moments where he was presented to the chief official and he would negotiate certain things with the chief official. He was presented at a certain point in time to in front of someone before someone who was to execute the magicians of Babylon. And he said a lot of wise things during that time. Who is God presenting you before? How many of you know that when you're doing marathons, what happens if you run the race before the season of preparation has finished? My wife is doing a triathlon in a week's time. And what would happen if she tries to do the triathlon before her season of preparation has finished? 
What would happen if you try to do the 94.7? Those of you who are cyclists, where's Michael? If you try and do it before your season of preparation, you can injure yourself. You can become discouraged and think to yourself, oh no, this is, I'm not cut out for this. Because you tried to do it prematurely. And there's some of you who've stepped out to influence, but because you haven't done it at the right time, you've become disillusioned and you've believed the lie of the enemy that this is not for me. But God just wanted you to finish your time of preparation. A question to you remains the same this morning. Do you know what your season of preparation is? Do you know the time lag or the time gap between the call and the commission? What season are you in right now? What I find interesting is that the king talked with them. It says the king talked with them. What will you say when power centers in your domain speak to you? Right now, have you begun to rehearse the things that you will say? If you're an engineer here this morning, what will you say when that engineering society asks for your input? Because they will ask for it when God raises you up and gives you the platform to speak to that society. What will you say? Where's Malebo? Is she with the, the older kids? She shared with us the testimony recently of how God has opened a door and she's now influencing in her industry of chartered accountants, of accountants and tax and that kind of thing. And you know what? Because she's been faithful with her gift of writing, now she's got an opportunity to write for a magazine. She will know what she has to say because she's been mulling over it in a season of preparation. She was sharing with me, I think it was last week, how she's being advised, she's, she's got advisors coming to her concerning some of the tax laws, coming to her and actually asking her very specific questions. And she's seeing that she's got influence now. She's influencing the influences concerning certain laws. You see, the mistake many people make is they wait for the season to shift before they think about such things. They wait for the season to shift and now they're in a new season and they think, oh, what would God have me say now? You see, God has called us to be a prophetic people. And when you're a prophetic people, he gives you insight that you need. Maybe it's for next year. I've been in situations where God will start speaking to me concerning certain things and giving me a blueprint. And there are times I remember when I was involved in a particular institution, the Lord actually said to me, what I'm giving you is a blueprint for something that you will build later on. It's not for this. You see, sometimes God will speak to you prophetically about your current organization. You assume it's about your current organization. Then he tells you, no, it's actually for the industry. He'll speak to you and he'll show you, maybe you're a teacher here, and he'll show you how you can influence your school. But he'll say, this thing only needs to be released next year. Do you understand the times? Do you understand the seasons? I find it interesting, it goes on to say, and this will be my ninth point, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. He found them to be how many times better? Ten times better. This was not a photo finish. My question to you is, in your area of competency and expertise, are you ten times better? Because when God gives you supernatural wisdom and insight into the language and literature of the Babylonians, you can be ten times better. Is there something in you that shines in the workplace or are you average and mediocre? 
I'm mean, that many of us as Christians have been programmed to more readily accept mediocrity than success. Are you in a space where you're a counselor, but people say, whoa, I've never been counseled in this way before. Are you in a place where you're a trainer and people say, I've never been trained in this way before. Are you in a place where you're a manager and people say, I've never been managed this way before. Are you 10 times better? And that's our portion. In our families, maybe you're a housewife. Are people looking at you and saying, how are you parenting your kids? You just seem to have another dimension that you go into in parenting your kids. You see, whatever aspect of life you're involved in, God has called us to be the head and not the tail. We've got him living in the inside of us. And I find it very interesting. So that's my ninth point. Develop your competency and your expertise. What are your high leverage areas? What are those aspects of your life where you can do them with minimal effort? But the impact is great. The impact is phenomenal. Where people come to you and they say, wow, I don't know how you just get this. Thank you for all your hard work. But you know that there was a grace to do it. And you managed to just do it. Minimal input, but maximum results. How do you find out what you were born to do? How many of you know that there's what you were born to do? which is your work in this life, and then there's your job, which is what you're trained to do, or perhaps what you get paid to do. And you see, when you figure out what you are born to do, and then you're paid for it, that is awesome. What has God designed you to do in that particular area? Develop it. Take it to another level. How do you figure out what you are born to do? Answer the following questions. What do you receive most praise for? In other words, you get a lot of compliments for that particular thing. People keep coming to you and saying, wow, it's amazing. Oh, when by the way you wrote that document, thank you for this. We appreciate the way you integrated all that information. What do you receive the most praise for? Secondly, what do you find yourself just getting lost doing? You just do it and do it and do it. And people have to say to you, do you know that it's supper time? Do you know that you've been doing that for three hours? But for you, the time just whizzed by effortlessly. What can you do that doesn't even require training? You just do it. You know when you're doing it, you feel like, oh, I'm just, I just feel so alive when I'm doing these particular things. What is that for you? If I could come to you and wake you up at 2 a.m., what would you be willing to do? If I phone you and I say, can you do such and such, what would you be willing to do without complaining or grumbling? What's that thing for you? I asked my kids that question recently. I was trying to help them with their life purpose. And I asked them that question. And one of them said, playing computer games. <laughs> what are you willing to just get up and do at 2 a.m. and you won't complain and you won't grumble? I know some of the soccer lovers here when they're watching certain things that are maybe in the Orient and it ends up being like, you know, odd hours, they'll watch. Or some of the cricket lovers, you know, when cricket is happening in Australia and you see people waking up or going to bed early or whatever the case may be, at 3 a.m. or something like that. Okay? What comes easily to you but is difficult for many? Where when you're explaining it to other people, you, they ask you, how do you do that? And you're like... I just do it. It's just, I just, I just do it. <laughs> and they don't really understand. How does he find it so easy? How does she find it so easy? 
Now in those areas, I want to encourage you to learn more. I want to encourage you to sharpen your soul in those particular areas. Because you're tapping into how God has wired you, but you're taking it from a level where you're just good to a place where you're really great. Because now you're getting the mentorship in those areas. And then you can be in that space in your industry, that space in your extended family, where people are looking up to you because they're saying, this person is 10 times better than all the other people. Can I hear an amen? amen? Why not? Why should the world have the best movies? I just think it's awesome how Christian movies have just gotten better and better and better in the last 10 years. Have you noticed that? Okay. Some of the things that are coming out right now. Why can't we have the sepals out there making movies and we say these are 10 times better than what we've seen in the world? Why not? You know what? We have access to the wisdom of God and his anointing. And so we can be better. You know that God doesn't just anoint us for so-called spiritual things. Some people think like, oh, I've got an anointing for healing. I've got an anointing for preaching. And they limit God's power working through them to just things that happen in a Sunday service. If you look in scripture, you'll see that God anointed Bezalel and Ohelia when it came to crafts, when it came to design, when it came to building of the temple. It says God was the one who, gave, who anointed them, who gave them that power. The Spirit of God was upon them in order to do that. How many of you are good with your hands? How many of you are good at art? Just raise your hand. I'm not good at it, so I just want to admire you a little bit. Okay? How many of you are good? How many of you are artistic? I didn't say autistic, artistic. Okay? That's brilliant. Alright? Do you know that there's an anointing for that? Where you can say, God, you've given me this natural talent, but I'm now opening myself up to your purposes in this area. And he adds a super to your natural. Number 10, we have to develop grit. We have to develop grit. Grit is an interesting term. Grit, it's actually a psychological term, and it literally means commitment to long-term goals despite the obstacles. And if you look at successful people, people who accomplish their goals in life, they've got grit. Academic research has been carried out on people who end up accomplishing their goals. One of their qualities is grit. Grit is linked to things like resilience. Resilience is the ability of someone or something to return to its original form after having been stretched. You see, a lot of people are stretched, but they never return to their original form. God has called us to be full of grit. How did Daniel spend over 60 years in exile? He understood the prophecies. He read the book of Jeremiah, which had prophesied what was going to actually take place. He had read it and figured out, oh yes, this is the 70 years that, you know, the Babylonian Empire is ruling the world. And remember what happened afterwards is Cyrus II, okay, the Persian emperor, he came in and he basically conquered Babylon. And that's and about a year into his time, Cyrus's time, the Persian emperor, a year into that time, he basically said, you know what, I'm releasing these guys. All those who've come from Jerusalem, you guys can go back now. <laughs> That's the nice thing about Cyrus, okay? But how did Daniel spend all that time discipling people? And I believe he was, doing, he was making disciples. How did he spend all that time? He had to have grit. 
It's not like this guy was a pauper, by the way, back in Judah. Because remember when they were selected, just let me just explain very quickly. There were three occasions where these guys were captured and brought to Babylon. And Daniel was part of the first group. Okay, and then about eight years or so later, there was another group. Then about eight years from there, there was another group. You understand that, right? And the first group that was taken from Judah, it says that they were part of the royalty. There were guys who were associated with kingship. They were princes. Okay, there are different words that were used for them, but these were people of nobility. It's not like he was a poor pauper in Judah and thought, oh, chance given, I'm now going to this Babylonian empire. It's not like he was a refugee who wanted to go to another place. He was captured. How did he last over 60 years in Babylon? He had to have grit. He had to have grit. For him to be in Babylon and then to see that this thing isn't ending. There's now another group of people. Oh, that's my uncle who's just come. Oh, there's this person and they're all coming here and you guys are capturing them. And I'm passionate about God and I'm seeing these guys coming and some of them are compromising and are ending up being defiled because they're eating food offered to idols. He's watching all of this happen. But he stays true to the living God. Isn't that amazing? He didn't give up. It says, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. This takes me to my point number 11. So point 10 was develop grit. Number 11, find out what is troubling the kings in your life. It says Nebuchadnezzar was troubled. Do you know what's troubling your boss at work? When I teach on how to manage your boss, one of the principles I teach on is the way you manage your boss, one of the key things is understand what stress they are under. Because very often they're putting you under stress because they're under pressure from their boss. But when you understand the pressure that they're facing, you begin to know how to manage them. You begin to know how to manage upward. The word manage, by the way, is not a complicated word. It actually comes... Ooh, close. It actually comes from an interesting word. It comes from the word in the Latin, manus, which literally means hand. So the word manage literally means handle. So when we say managing your boss, we're not saying you're over your boss. Does that make sense? We're basically saying, how do you handle your boss? How do you influence them upward? Okay? And I find it interesting because the principle here is find out what is troubling the kings in your life. Right now, what is troubling the president in our life? What do you think is troubling him? What do you... What? <laughs> okay. Do you ever think about those kinds of things? Do you ever think about what is troubling the CEO of your organization? What is troubling the vice chancellor of your university? You see, because to go to your next level of leadership, you have to figure out what is stressing out the people who are leading the power centers. And when you figure out that, you begin to solve those particular problems. Because they're not interested in your agenda. They're interested in being relieved from the stress that they're experiencing. How many of you know that business comes when you're solving a problem? I've said this before. If I decide to get into the business of selling toothpaste, what problem am I solving? I'm I'm solving the problem of plaque. I'm solving the problem of bad breath. 
right? I'm solving the problem of tooth decay. So God wants to raise you up, but the solutions you give have to be addressing the core problems in our society. And here we see that this great emperor was troubled because of his dreams. And guess what? Daniel was gifted in his ability to interpret dreams. God has gifted you in a particular manner that will solve the problems that are troubling the kings of nations today. You see, a lot of people, they show off about how gifted they are, but their gift isn't a solution. Some people show off about, oh, I've got this, I've, I've got the gift of working of miracles. How many of you know that the gift of working of miracles is only important when a miracle is needed? Some people say, well, what's the best gift to have in terms of the spiritual gifts? Whichever one is necessary for that time. Whichever one solves the problem at that particular time. If someone needs healing, I'm hoping that the gift of healing will be functioning through me so that they can be healed. Amen? If someone needs healing, there's no use me having the gift of interpretation of tongues at that particular time. That gift is not useful for the problem. I believe God is raising up a generation of Christian leaders who are relevant, who understand what's troubling the nation right now. When we went to Ivory Park, that school, Ebomini, is an Ivory Park that, uh, Linda, that uh, not Linda Lena was talking about, right? And it was interesting, the vice principal began to share with me an interesting story. She said, one of our pupils, who's a 12-year-old, a week ago was mutilated on the road. Mutilated on the road. Left for dead, but he survived. He's in Steve Biko Hospital as we speak. He survived. His genitals removed by people who probably wanted to use them for mooty. And I'm thinking to myself, when people have demonically inspired worldviews, that's what they end up doing. Imagine to a 12-year-old. And, and they left him for dead, but he, he survived. And he was able to actually identify who those people were. And it was people he knew. Now there's no point going into a community saying I'm gifted this way and I'm gifted that way if you're detached from what the issues of the day actually are that people are facing. And you know what saddens me about those types of situations? It's based on worldview. It's based on a belief system that is faulty where some people are probably desperate to do that because they strongly believe that if I do it, I'll have my breakthrough by killing someone else. Please pray for that, that boy. They say that he's got 75% chance of, of living, of surviving. Let's pray for him. Let's pray for his life. Let's pray that God prospers him and that God restores somehow. Let's pray for a miracle. What is troubling the kings in your life? What is troubling and stressing out the people in your industry right now as we speak? If you want to influence your extended family, what is troubling your uncles, your aunts, your mother, your father, your grandparents if they're still alive? What stresses them out? God is calling leaders to address the issues of the day. My question to you is, are you able to restate the real problem? You see, great leaders can identify what the core issue actually is and they come up with a solution. You see, because how I diagnose something will determine the solution. 
Many people are dying today not because the treatment isn't available. Many people are dying today because they've been misdiagnosed. Some of you might have, might have lost loved ones because of that. I have situations where people say, can you counsel my child please, Paul? And then I go deeper into the situation and I realize there's a dysfunctional family system we're dealing with right now. You see, if you diagnose the problem as it's a child problem, you'll address it accordingly. But if you diagnose the problem as a dysfunctional family system, you'll write books on restoring family life, the dysfunctional family, the one I think most of you got, you'll write books on it and you'll address it from that perspective because our families are in crisis today. Question, how are you defining the problem in your society today? How are you defining the problem in your family today? Are you seeing it as a child problem? Are you seeing it as a parenting problem? Are you seeing it as a dysfunctional family system? You know what was interesting about Nebuchadnezzar? He actually asked the magicians of the day to basically tell him what his problem was. He, he didn't just say, come up with a solution. Interpret the dream for me. He said, tell me what my dream was and then interpret it. I mean, these guys are at another level. I mean, we're impressed with someone if they can just interpret our dreams. Those guys are, tell me first what the dream was and then interpret it. The heart cry of kings today is tell me what my core issue really is and come up with a solution. A few of you got that. Can you restate the real problem in your family? Can you restate the real problem in your company? Can you restate the real problem at your school? Can you restate the real problem in your community? Can you restate the real problem in your nation? How you diagnose something determines the solution. Verse 2, we see something really interesting. It says, So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. I find it so interesting that although some time back he found Daniel to be 10 times better than the magicians of Babylon, he still went back to his default. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Earlier on we told that man, Daniel and his dudes, they're just 10 times better than you are. But what happens? He still goes to his magicians. You know what God is calling us to do? Sustained, you know, you know a battle ram? It's sustained effort ramming the gates of the enemy. We can't just do the once-off thing. Yeah. When we try and address issues in this nation and in our communities, we can't just do the once-off thing because they will go back to their default. But watch what happens. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that... I've had a dream that what has happened to the leaders in our power centers today that is troubling them. For some of them, they're troubled by dreams. For some of them, they're troubled by opposition. For some of them, they're troubled by illness and sickness and disease. And they're looking for answers. And that's when leaders rise up. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. See, they're flat, they flattered the king. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have to cut into pieces. I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turned 
into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. That is his reward system. It's like negative marking, isn't it? In, in multiple choices and exams. It's like, okay, let me try. You can't just try. <laughs> so tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I'm certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. Can you see that he was beginning to doubt them? And there's coming a time in our nation, there's coming a time in the nations of the world where whoever those leaders of power centers were going to, they're going to begin to doubt. They're going to begin to doubt those sources and realize you guys are trying to con me here. And that's the opportunity for the church to rise up with solutions that are sustainable. Who is the headmaster in your children's school being going to? Because a time is coming where they'll begin to doubt those people and look for real answers. Presidents of nations have been receiving demonically inspired counsel. The time is coming where they will rise up and start seeing that, wait a minute, this isn't working anymore. And that's the opportunity for you to rise up. People in your families have been going to the sangomas. They've been going to the mediums. They've been going to the spiritists. But they realize that, wait a minute, uh -uh, this isn't working anymore. I need real answers. And that's the opportunity for leaders to begin to arise. Do you believe that? Then the king answered, I'm certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is one, there's only one penalty for you. You have conspired to telling me misleading and wicked things. May kings realize when they're being told wicked things. May kings realize when they're being told demonically inspired things, when their counsel is from demons. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. This takes me to my 12th point. Embrace subsequent opportunities. Because we see a situation where Daniel now had a new opportunity. He had been presented to the king in the past. But now he has an opportunity to show his skills. To show his talent. To show off the goodness of God. The king returned to the people he was familiar with despite all he had experienced previously with Daniel. The king's trust in his magicians had evidently eroded to a point where he was willing to execute demonically inspired counsel. When kings see your excellence and the spirit of wisdom upon your life, this becomes the precursor to uprooting of demonic counsel and embracing wisdom from above. So we must trust God with subsequent opportunities by which to influence Maybe you're in a situation where you influenced some people five years ago. Are you believing God for opportunities today? Maybe you had opportunities to reach people with the gospel five years ago. Are you believing God for subsequent opportunities? Key question, what relationships is God calling you to rebuild? Maybe when you first spoke to those people, it was five years ago and you didn't know what you know today. Maybe when you first spoke to those people, you were not 
you had not finished and fully completed your season of preparation, but now you have. And I'm speaking prophetically now. Some of you have to go back to those people. Because where you didn't have your breakthrough in the past, your breakthrough is now. Because you've completed your season of preparation. Don't settle for the once-off. Make it sustained influence. In verse 10, I find it interesting. It says, the astrologers answered the king. There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. God will allow the situation to end up an impossible situation so that he can show up and show that he's God and he gets all the glory. Verse 11, what the king asks is too difficult. The situation in your family is too difficult. The situation in your business is too difficult. Your CEO is stressed out. Your family members are stressed out. The people at your school are stressed out. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. But we know that there's a God who lives amongst humans, who's made this his, his inhabitation. Who lives on the inside of us. Who reveals his secrets. His mysteries to us. This made the king so angry and furious. That he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Just the presence of God in a situation. All of a sudden there's a shift in power. So the decree, the, the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death because they were also put into that category of wise men. And you see that? I mean, if you know that sometimes you can have people doing dubious, de demonically inspired things, enchanters, witch doctors, all sorts of people like that. And then those of us who function in miracles and, th and you know, genuine God-focused things get a bad name. Because people say, I know these people, they're all dubious, right? When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and... With wisdom and... Some of you need... <laughs> You can say wisdom and tact, okay? <laughs> right. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? He questioned the decree. Now you have to understand something, particularly with the Persians who came after the Babylonians. There was what was called the laws of the Medes and the Persians, right? That could not be changed. It was irrevocable. When a king issued a decree, you can't just change it. You can't just question it. The moment it's released, it actually becomes a problem. If you try and change the king's mind, the king is like, but I've, I've released it. I can't go against my word. But Daniel knew that there was a greater king who shifts seasons and times. And so he could question this king. And he says, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. 
Could it be that God is raising you up as a leader so that you can rescue everyone else? Could it be that you're a Daniel? Could it be that you're a Joseph? I find it interesting. Why did Daniel need time? What is the main reason for his need for time? And that's my 13th point. Build teams around your goals. Daniel had a goal, but he enrolled others and he built a team to be able to do a particular thing. You see, teamwork is a key part of this. There's nothing like a self-made man. Some of you have become very independent because you want to take the credit and you want to take the glory when you become successful. But I find it very interesting that Daniel, this great prophet, built a team around himself. He applied teamwork to corporate prayer. He enrolled others for counsel and for prayer. Teamwork is essential. The thing that God has called you to accomplish in your life, my question to you is, who are you going to enroll? Which team are you going to create in order to accomplish those goals? I'm going to feel that great leaders get results through people. If you're not good with people, it becomes a challenge in terms of how you're going to lead. And you see this in verse 17. It says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. Isn't that beautiful? What issues are you facing today that you need to explain to other people? Are there some things that you're carrying by yourself? And God is saying you need to actually talk to some people about this. It says, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God, the God of heaven concerning this mystery. He didn't just say, I'm going to just pray to God myself, guys. And then when the breakthrough comes, it was because of my prayers. A lot of Christians are like that. Intercessors, where, it's, where you then say, well, how did you do it? You know, me and God, we're like this, you know. We've got this special relationship. And I just, you know, there's another level of prayer. There's a way I know how to pray. Can you teach us? Can you show us? My brother, there are levels. Okay. Now, here we see Daniel actually said to his friends, guys, please, let's pray for God's mercy. The mercy of God concerning this mystery. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Isn't that powerful? You can pray, that, you can pray and you can exhort your friends to also pray and then God reveals the thing to you. And you might think it's because I've got this gift of interpretation of dreams. But these guys were praying in agreement. What issues are you facing today that you need to enroll others for the corporate dimension of prayer to take place? A lot of breakthroughs only happen when we pray corporately. I'm going to say it again. A lot of breakthroughs only happen when we pray corporately. That's why I encourage you to come to Ignite. Last Friday of every month, we have an extended time of prayer and worship here. There are things that happen when we get together and we pray. Maybe you're in a crisis right now and you're ashamed of your situation and you can't talk to anyone. Phone up someone and just say, power of agreement. Very often my wife will do that. We'll do that with each other. Where she'll phone and while we're on the phone together, she'll say, can we just do it now? Let's pray now so we have the agreement. Bible tells us that if, if two or three touching on a particular thing, agree on a particular thing in my will, it will be done. There's power in agreement. Don't be proud. Some of you have become proud and you're keeping your issues to yourself. And it's time to start talking about them, pleading with God. 
and I find it's interesting and it's my 14th point. What did Daniel do after the mystery was revealed? It says, then Daniel prayed, praised the God of heaven and said, he praised. My 14 point is be full of praise and worship. Be full of praise and worship. Whatever success you have, make sure God remains God in your life. My question to you today is, is God God in your life? Is he really the Lord in all your decisions that you're making? Is he in the driving seat or is he just a passenger? When God tries to give you instruction, are you saying, God, stop backseat driving. I'm the one who's doing it. I'm the one who's driving. And watch what he says, because the way someone praises God reveals how they view God. He says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. Oh, that's a powerful revelation to have. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He changes times and seasons. In other words, he had a revelation that, you know what, time is up for this king, it's now time for another king. And he saw it happening in his lifetime. If you read on in the book of Daniel, it's not a long book to read. He could see that, okay, this time is up for this one, next time is this one. Watch this. And then he says, he deposes kings and raises up others. How many of you that you cannot demote that which God has promoted? He deposes CEOs and raises up others. He deposes headmasters and raises up others. He deposes certain family leaders that are into witchcraft. He deposes them and they lose their influence and others are raised up in your family. I make that a decree. In your family, in this season. A man cannot demote that which God has promoted. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. Some of you have given up on seeking God's face concerning deep and hidden things. Some of you just say, ah, it just belongs to the Lord. But how many of you know that sometimes we need to tarry, we need to push in the spirit, say, God, speak to me concerning this thing. And then when he gives you one answer, you dig deeper for more answers. God loves it when we seek him diligently. When was the last time you prayed concerning the African continent? When was the last time you asked God questions concerning the continent that you live in? When was the last time you prayed and you asked God questions concerning this nation and what the root issues in this nation really are? Because I can tell you right now, it's not what the economists are saying. I'll leave it there for now. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. And light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. Ooh. Now, had he done miracles? Had he, had he performed certain miracles like Elijah and Elisha? But he says, you have given me wisdom and power. He understood what this was talking about. He understood the authority that God had given him in a foreign empire. You have made known to me what we asked of you. Now remember, he was probably very relieved eh, when he got this revelation. <laughs> and it's interesting how he was thanking God for this before he had experienced the evidence where the king had said, said to him, no, you, we're not going to execute you. 
He already knew. He trusted God that God, you've given me the breakthrough. And he was so confident about this. How confident are you when God speaks to you concerning situations? You have made known to me what we asked of you. When you get the interpretation of a prophetic dream that you've had, how much praise goes to God as a result of that interpretation? Just look at all this praise going to God because God has revealed something to him. You have made known to us the dream of the king. And watch what he does and it takes me to my last point. Be full of grace and mercy to your competitors and enemies. Be full of grace and mercy to your competitors and enemies. Why? Daniel arose and he basically says, don't kill these other people. Now he could have come up and said, listen, I've got the answer. My God is the real God. And I want you guys to all start worshipping the living God. And yes, mm -hmm, it's in God's plan to get rid of all these other dubious characters who are leading you astray. But you know what? He didn't do that. He basically said, don't execute any of these people. Don't execute them. How do you treat your enemies today? How do you treat your competitors today? How do you speak about them? Do you recognize God as your source? Or do you feel you have to destroy them? Do you do underhand things just to destroy them? That's not God's heart. You see, when you recognize that God is your source, there's a way you relate to those people who are your enemies. Watch this. If it was the other way around, those guys would have said, yeah, no, kill Daniel and his friends. It says in verse 24, Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king. He wasn't afraid. And I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, now, I find it very interesting what he actually said to the king. He didn't say, hey, king, <coughs> I'm not sure about this guy, but he reckons he's got the interpretation. <laughs> he didn't do that. He basically was influenced by Daniel. He believed Daniel because he basically says, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Are you influencing the influencers? The king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven. He didn't say, but me, Daniel. <laughs> I've got the skills. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveal, reveals mysteries. Right now you're in a season where if you make a resolution in your heart that you're going to give God all the glory and all the praise, He is raising you up in this hour. If you make a decision that the moment you're put before kings, the first thing you will do is acknowledge that your source is the living God. I made that decision some time back that I would not be ashamed of the gospel. That whatever corporate event I would do, I would mention that I'm a pastor. In my own way, I would mention that. Why? Because I want to acknowledge that the source of the wisdom of God on my life is not because of my intellect. But it's from God who is higher. God who is bigger. God who is greater. And as God has seen that I've remained committed to that covenant that I have with him, that I will acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge me before his throne. That's what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear. Jesus said that if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my father. When was the last time you acknowledged 
him before me. That's a covenant you can make with God. That's a key in terms of spiritual promotion. Jesus said that if you're ashamed of me and of my teaching, I will be ashamed of you when I'm in the presence of the glory of his splendor. He says that. One of the quickest ways to be demoted as a Christian is to not acknowledge God. God is interested in his glory. God is interested in his glory. And this is what we see Daniel doing. It says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and visions that pass through your mind as you are lying in bed are these. And he went on to explain. How many of you can say with me, you want God to raise you up in this season? You want God to raise you up in this season as a leader, as an influencer. Just raise your hand where you are. Okay? I want you to pray a strong prayer with me. And we're going to make a covenant with God. And the covenant we're going to make with God even right now is that we're going to give Him the credit. We're going to give Him the glory. We're going to acknowledge Him before men. Amen? It's a powerful covenant to make. But it's a key to going to your next level of leadership. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Father, you see your people.